0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by T-shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, joined by E.J. Wilson and Mike Ingersoll for our weekly Letterman podcast. Guys, UNC got a big-time road win against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Georgia Tech was pretty much the foe that UNC thought they would be. They offered a little bit of resistance, but overall, the Heels just had too much talent were able to really pull this one off. It was still an important win, though. Let's go ahead and start with the defense on this one. EJ, what were your overall thoughts watching that side of the ball go against the Yellow Jackets last weekend?
0: I think that our defense played a near-perfect game right until the end. Uh,
1: it's kind of disappointing to see them give up 15
0: points when they... I mean, the, the second half just wasn't as good as it, as I thought it could be. I mean, I thought they were going to pitch the shutout, but overall, uh, not disappointed. I think it was a very good effort. I think that we kind of... This is one of the games where we kind of finally all put it together. And just like uh, I talked about last week, we could either come out and, and try to make uh, too many plays and overshoot our targets and just play outside of what we're comfortable with, or we could come in this game and master what we've been doing all season, and that's what I really saw from this defense. And I think that's why they were go- able to go out there and execute and look as comfortable as they were. But uh, like I said, I would have loved to see a shutout, but overall I like what I saw it.
1: And then, Mike, what about on offense? What were your overall thoughts watching them in that game?
0: Uh, I mean, it was. We scored a lot of
2: points. We could have scored a lot more. Um, you know, we everybody talks about the drop touchdowns, um, and you know that's that's just kind of an indicative of a reoccurring problem, sort of a consistent issue, and we've seen it over the past couple of seasons. And it's just um, it, it really boils down to focus. Um, but it's not up it, when, when I when I say that it boils down to focus, I'm not, That's not an admonition of the character or talent level of any of the guys that we have catching footballs. It's Um, you know focus is just something that comes with more game reps and it comes with uh, uh, it comes with more experience and understanding that every single little thing matters including you know watching the ball all the way in your eyes you know small things like that you know that's what focus is It's, it's attention to detail and it's the sort of thing that ultimately gets improved upon as players get older and they get more reps so I'm not concerned about it we're light years ahead of where we were last year in terms of drop balls so you know, I would have liked to have seen us haul in a couple more of those touchdowns, score some more points, and, and sort of run up the score a little bit. Um, not so much because I, I have any disdain for Georgia Tech, just because I know that that uh, scoring that many points would have been beneficial for, to the to the psyche and to the overall attitude of the team and to the offense um, and to their confidence. So, you know, I, sorry, I would have liked to have seen more points scored uh, because we had the opportunity to score more points. Uh, that being said, we do know that we left some stuff on the board. So uh, the the ability to do it is there. Uh, the execution just has to be a little bit better. And I'd say that's you know I, I single out the wide receivers here, but you know that that goes for every position group. Sam Powell has got to get a clock in his head. Um, he he has to learn when to get rid of the football and stop taking sacks and stop taking hits. Offensive line's got to do a good job of keeping him keep, keeping him relatively clean, which they've done a they, they've done a better job over and over again over the past few weeks. Brian Anderson is a guy. Um, anyone who follows me on Twitter, I tweeted that out. Ross Martin also tweeted out um, the pro football focus rankings for this week. Uh, Brian, our center, made that list. Um, I thought he played a, 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 a very solid game. It was the best game he played so far this season. So um, I was looking for him to sort of come out of his shell, and he did. So that, that's a positive. And you're seeing that improvement across the board with a lot of different guys. So four points, um, you know, more focus, taking advantage of opportunities when we have them. But overall, I was I was pretty impressed with the, with, with the overall outcome.
1: And then, EJ, you heard Mike talk about the confidence that the offense was able to play with and then gain in this game. Like you said, the defense, they had a shutout in the first two quarters. Georgia Tech did score 15 in the fourth quarter, kind of made a little bit of a run there. But the defense still responded, and they held James Graham, Georgia Tech's quarterback, to only 171 yards and 11 out of 24. So when you're looking at how the defense performed here, do you think that they really are gaining even more confidence running the scheme and how do you think that a game like this will help them moving forward? I definitely think they're more comfortable running
0: the scheme. Uh, You you can see that they're they're trusting their reads a a lot more than they were in the beginning of the season. Uh, We kind of talked about this and and of course it seems to come up every week where we're talking about uh, them kind of acclimating to the system and it really is impressive how quick they were uh they're able to to latch on to everything that coach Bateman wants to do. Uh we, we've had injuries, we've had people uh come in, people coming out. We've we've been had so much, so many mix-ups in the lineup in the secondary to come out and play a game like that uh is really impressive to me. And it and it really starts up front. I mean you my mid-season MVP right now is Aaron Crawford. I mean, the guy's – he's showing up on the film in the run game. He's showing up in the pass rush. So, I really think he's having a really great season. And and also, Chas Surratt. I mean, his, he kind of struggled at the beginning of the season. But right now, he he looks really comfortable in that defense, and he's really becoming a leader. And I think he's really, uh, he's really a standout player on that defense. So, um, I think moving forward, uh, this game is really only going to propel them forward. I mean – Every, every everything seems to be going good for them. They kind of didn't follow their usual trend of, of locking down and kind of putting the clamps on in the fourth quarter, but th- that's just something else for them to watch from this game. They're going to learn from it, and I think that, the, the, like I said, I think they'll learn from their mistakes. I think they'll watch the film, and I think that they'll uh, bounce back uh, over the bye week, work on their mistakes, get some of their guys healthy, and I think that we're going to see an impressive outing uh, against Virginia Tech when they come off the bye. Hey, EJ, a guy –
2: so for a guy like you who made that offensive to defensive transition at the college level, how much more difficult is it for a guy like Chaz to move from uh, an offensive position that requires so much attention and, and to be so tuned in to the offensive scheme to then have to switch sides of the ball and go play linebacker and at the, at the same – essentially the 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 complementary position on the other side of the ball, um, and, you know, that inside linebacker spot and have to have to make that transition from such the super intense offensive position to the super intense defensive position he's at how hard is that transition to make at the college level
0: considering everything that has to go into just being good at one spot I think for Chaz it's a very unique situation because I mean ideally you would want someone transitioning from a uh, quarterback to linebacker. like you said it's almost a mirrored position on uh, opposite sides of the ball but like Chaz said at him getting the season, what he had to get used to was a physicality. Chaz is not a small quarterback. I mean, he, he looks like a linebacker. He fits the mold. He passes the eye test. Uh, he has the athleticism. He has the strength. And and you that's the kind of guy you want playing linebacker. He knows exactly what's going on in the offense. He knows exact he gets schemes. He knows what the quarterback's looking at. He knows what he's second for defense. He even knows, even down to the fine, the like the kind of fine-tuned things that you really see from an experienced linebacker. He gets. He knows how to disguise because he knows what a quarterback is going to think is someone blitzing or what or how to hide his coverage. And you think about for all the years he doesn't have an experience, he really kind of double double that playing quarterback. I mean, wouldn't you want the brain of the exact person you're trying to stop in the mind of your defensive player? I mean, I, I think I think that it's the perfect transition for him, and I'm really happy to see that. He's kind of really taking charge of that, and I think with the with uh, another summer a bye week and him really getting used to this position, I think he really has a chance on the on the next level. Depending on if, if this, that's really what he wants to do. If he really continues to develop his game, to watch film, and just to get to get stronger in the weight room, so um, I think for him, it's an easy transition. For the fans that don't know, so EJ
2: obviously came in as a tight end, fullback combo player, and then moved over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, while at Carolina. So I, I know that transition in high school, it's one thing to play offense and defense at high school. It's entirely different considering the rigors and the demands to make that switch to the college level. It wasn't something I had to do. I mean, I I switched positions, but on the same side of the ball. I couldn't imagine having
1: to switch my brain like that. Both of you guys played with someone that also made the transition from quarterback, although it was high school, into a college linebacker, guy by the name of Quan Uh Yeah, I think he did okay playing for the Heels at linebacker.
2: Quan's the guy I've compared Chaz
0: to a lot. Bruce Carter also was a linebacker. Was a quarterback at Havelock. Um, hmm. was I was a quarterback in high school too. Let's not forget about that, guys. And I have the photo. EJ was
2: EJ EJ was many many waistlines ago. EJ was a quarterback <laughs> in high
1: school.
2: Um, I was also a basketball player in high school. So I mean, high school is high school. Let's let's be serious. But I mean, Quan. Again, I'm joking. But Quan Quan <laughs> yeah, he's he's the guy I compare Chaz to pretty frequently and. You know, I, I, EJ mentioned it, and it's it's something I've been pretty impressed with with Chaz. But one thing that always impressed me about Quan is that Quan saw the field like a quarterback, which made him in pass coverage made him great in pass coverage. Um, but he was able to diagnose plays pretty quickly. Quan was a guy he wasn't he wasn't the biggest guy on the field when he was in college, but he did have a nose for the ball, and he understood he understood understood schematically what the offense was trying to do. Um, and that was I, I attribute a lot of that to his time as a quarterback and having to read defenses, you know, and break down defenses on the fly. He then sees it from the other side of the ball. It's it's like looking into a mirror. And Chaz seemed to have that um, that intuition from playing quarterback. He's brought that over to the linebacker spots. I, I, I that was noticeable on the film, and it's certainly been noticeable in his production. So I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really great point.
1: Yeah. What do you recall about Quan making that transition, EJ? You were about to say something earlier. I know I mean yeah I mean that, that
0: he is really the perfect example I mean Quan was usually ahead of a play some ahead of plays before they really had the chance to form and that really was the difference between Quan being a good player and Quan being a great player. I mean, it it happened rather quickly. I mean, he, he had an immediate impact once he stepped on campus, but that, that really was the thing for him. He he knew exactly what was about to happen through motions, through initial plays. And that, that really made him a, it it really kind of made him fun to play with because he made everybody around him better and everybody else smarter. He helped us to diagnose plays a little bit quicker.
1: One question I had for you, Mike, turning back over to the offense, was the job that the Heels did on the ground versus Georgia Tech, and it probably wasn't too big of a surprise given the struggles that the Yellow Jackets have had defending against the run this season. But still, you mentioned it in the preview pod that UNC needed to just pound the ball on the ground all day long, and to an extent, they really did that. I mean, Carolina's main two running backs, Devontae Williams and Michael Carter, both had 20 carries apiece. And Javante Williams just went off on the on Georgia Tech, one hundred forty-four yards, one touchdown. When you are looking at how the offense was able to block and really get those yards, what did you see them doing that made them so successful?
2: Um, well, it was it was double teams. Um, it was also ceiling on the backside. So I, I saw several examples of offensive alignment uh, on the backside, sealing off a backside defender for a cutback and creating a natural lane for the cutback. Um, and a few of those we actually broke um, for pretty, pretty big runs. Um, and then obviously your double teams on the front side, I saw a lot of front side double teams guys were finally getting off and creating, creating lanes, creating front side running lanes where there was intended to be a front side running lane. That was something that we struggled with, uh, you know, early on in the season. And it wasn't perfect because it, we did miss some assignments um, or were, were not not so much, um, you know, I don't call them mental You know, mental errors. They're more physical errors. They're just technique didn't allow some of our guys to get off on the second level like they should have, and those second-level guys ultimately would make the play. Uh, but uh, in the instances where they were able to get off on their double teams and get to the second level, we did a very good job once we got our hands on linebackers or rovers or whoever, whoever the, the double team assignment was working to. Uh, we did a pretty good job of making sure those guys stayed out of the play and created those natural running lanes. we were able to break some stuff. So, you know and, and I saw more instances of that um, working as designed than I have so far this season. So I'm seeing, you know, you're seeing small improvement and you're you're seeing things going into the bye week that that really, frankly, are, are very encouraging because now you're gonna have an extra week um, to sit here and kind of uh, fine tune that stuff hone that stuff, coaches can now get back to the, to the drawing board and, you know, they can, they can game plan a little bit um, for, for the next game, but really what they get to do is kind of middle of the season, reset, um, get guys back focused, sort of get back to some of those training camp fundamentals, the individual skills. And one thing that I would certainly expect uh, Coach Sarles to do is to focus on double teams here in the off season and really get these guys working hard on, or, sorry, in the, during the bye week, Really get those guys focusing on that, working hard on that in practice, um, devoting several of the individual periods to that, um, just because it's going to be essential for them moving forward. Because if we can run the ball and control the clock, we can control the game. Um, and that's how Carolina is going to beat people, because we're not going to out athlete people for the most part, Georgia Tech being an exception. We're not going to out scheme people for the most part. A lot of these games here in the teeth of our schedule are going to come down to just hitting people in the mouth and controlling the tempo of the game and and sort of imposing our will upon the other team schematically and physically. Uh, That's how we're going to win some of these games that we, um, you know, maybe 50-50 toss-up games throughout the teeth of our schedule here heading into the end of the season. So uh, if they can continue on the path that they're on, I've seen a lot of improvement, and it's really encouraging. Um, You know, I'm really excited to see how they look coming out of the bye week because – historically we haven't looked so great coming out of buys
1: I, i'm hoping that changes this year let's discuss the bye week stuff in just a moment here but let's take a quick second to talk about our long-term sponsors and friends at giant t-shirt and johnt shirtcom they are your place to go for carolina gear if you're going to be on campus for one of the few remaining unc football home games or if you're going to be there when the basketball season starts make sure that you swing by the giant t-shirt location on franklin street they have been in business for decades they have the best customer service. They are locally and alumni owned and operated. They are where you can find everything that you need for the Tar Heel fan and your family. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop at GiantTShirt.com. You can find the same great selection. And also remember that if you are an Inside Carolina premium member, then you get a 10% off discount code off of your orders either there in store or or online at giant t shirt.com. You can get that 10% off code from the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. So make sure that you do sign up for that. Giant t shirt and giant t com. your place to go for Carolina gear. So, in terms of the bye week, EJ, my question for you goes to the complexity of the defensive scheme that Jay Bateman has employed because you also went through a transitional year where a new coaching staff came over. So, during the bye week, did the coaches really put that much more of the playbook in effect at that point, or did they kind of use it to hone in on some of the fundamentals that the team may have been struggling with so far that season?
0: I think the first couple of days you really want to focus on you. You really want to look in the mirror and say what do we need to get better at? This is the only chance where you'll have a couple of days where you're not preparing for another opponent so of course you want to dedicate a couple of days, go hard a little bit Um, you don't want to get any guys hurt but you also want to get some contact in get some good one-on-one competition just, just to kind of get everyone better but you also want to use that time to uh, kind of explore some of the more com- uh, some complexities of the defense. I definitely think that Coach Bateman going to add a few more pressures in there, a few more looks, a few more disguises, just as the guys are getting comfortable. As I mentioned earlier, you can tell from the, the stats and over the last few games and I and, and with everyone kind of getting plugged in in the secondary, how the play is still kind of been consistent that I think that these guys are ready for a few more twists. I don't say we don't go in there and reinvent the wheel or really change any of the basic things that we do that are that are successful. We fix what's broken, and we, and we add a few more twists in, and then we use the rest of this week uh, to get ready for Virginia Tech. Uh, so uh, it's a team that that's kind of been, been struggling a little bit this year. They do have a winning record, and of course, it's an a ACC opponent. And right now, we're two and one in the ACC, so we have an opportunity still to to have a, a very, very good outcome to the season and really surprise a lot of people. And it, and it really surprised myself, uh, if we ended up uh, playing for ACC championship, but the possibilities are still there. So I think that everything that Coach Brown and his coaching staff. Has been, have been preaching in the off season and preaching all season I think the guys have been buying in so I think that they're going to take the first part to focus on them then they're going to try to throw in some, some new things and then Virginia
1: Tech is going to become the focus and finish in the season strong. Let me ask you a quick follow-up, EJ. How big a deal do you think it will be if the heels are able to get Aaron Crawford healthy? How much more does he bring to the defense?
0: Oh, he brings a lot to the defense. I I, th- I think he's a key piece. I think he's a centerpiece of that defense. So I think you, you, uh, you use this week to let him to let him get healthy. I mean, like you said, we're they're not preparing for an opponent, and him taking these mental reps, watching film, that's just as good as him being out there on the field for this week. To help. We, we want to get him uh get him treatment get him uh to the point where he feel like he can play because next week's going to be the really important week i mean the guy's a senior he's played a lot throughout his career so there's no doubt that with him taking care of his body he's going to be ready to play so uh, having having him back in the rotation is going to be a, a really really
1: important for us through the remainder in the final stretch of the season yeah and i thought it was encouraging you know that he did play against georgia tech i still don't think he's at 100 and i definitely agree with you i mean if if Crawford and Strobridge are both completely healthy and ready. It just makes that UNC front four that much more dangerous. Then, Mike, about the offense, Phil Longo, I think he's only shown a very small percentage of the total amount of his playbook. And it's the wrinkles in particular that he is kind of known for because they really don't have that many play sets. But he teaches his guys that... You've got to be able to make decisions on your own when you're actually out there, run into space. So how much more do you think the offense will be able to learn during this bye week moving forward?
2: Well, I would expect they're going to start putting in a little more complex um, concepts or a a few more complex concepts, but they're not going to – everything that Phil Longo knows how to do and everything everything he has drawn up in his book of tricks, his bag of tricks there, isn't necessarily going to come out this season. And that's not because he's trying to hide anything or it's some tactical decision. What it really is is that he just understands that these guys are still learning his offense and he needed to keep things as vanilla as possible. But that being said, the bye week is a great chance to start putting in some of those wrinkles, like you mentioned, um, and add some complexity to some of the sets these guys have been running. Number one, because it's going to help you from a scheme standpoint against teams moving forward, because one of those, one of those plays, hopefully is a scoring play. Um, you know, and that's it's, it's it, that you'll you'll you know it'll get you seven quick points against against one of these teams coming up in a in a tight game. But really, what it's going to do is it's also going to break up the monotony, I guess, of of the offense that they, these guys have been running for the players themselves, right? It, it, it those those types of trick plays and and the wrinkles and 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 um, you know the, the the formation changes and things like that 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 you add into your offense that that guys recognize can be effective. That's exciting for offensive players. um, And it breaks, it does, it breaks up the monotony, Um, you know, that kind of stuff, the stuff you've been running over and over and over and over and over again, since training camp, especially the vanilla stuff that keeps showing up in the first 15 and it keeps showing up in the install every single week. I mean, that gets pretty mundane pretty quick. So this is a good opportunity to kind of refocus guys, re-energize them with, with some new stuff, show them that you think they can handle it, you know, and put that on their plate. Um, And then just roll it out and see what happens. So, yeah, I think you'll see uh, some more complexity come out of the bye week, but you won't see a ton. Um, You know, the bye week, DJ touched on it. The bye week is really to get back to fundamentals and start cleaning up some bad habits that you've been getting into here in the first half of the season. Um, It's a way to reset and kind of recalibrate everything so you come out the second half, you know, humming
1: and playing pretty clean. And then looking ahead at the Tar Heels' upcoming schedule, after the bye week, they do play the away game at Virginia Tech. And then from there, it's a run of ACC Coastal opponents after the Hokies. They have Duke at home, UVA at home, and then at Pitt. So when you're looking at these next four games, I mean, it basically could decide how big of a season the Heels have, if it ends up being a success, or if they feel that they kind of let a couple games go. So EJ, when you're looking at it from the player perspective, are you really thinking about those next four games at this point during the bye week or do you think that you're kind of focusing right now on just the Hokies and really getting yourself mentally and physically back in as good shape as possible at this point in the season?
0: I think a little bit of everything. I think with Mac Brown being the the coach that he is, um, as I said before, he's not in the hall of fame for no reason. I think that he's gonna put this in perspective for these guys that that he's gonna remind them of of kind of some of the things that they've been through over the last few seasons. He's also gonna remind them of what happened uh, the last time that we were in the ACC championship game. And he's he's gonna tell them, Hey, look, we're three and three. At the end of the day, this is a brand new season. We're pretty much uh, zero and zero. We're two and one in the conference. We have a winning record and they have an opportunity to really do something special. So there's going to be something said to that note. But I think that the focus is during the bye week is going to be on them getting better, fine tuning their, their skills, throwing a few more things in the tool bag. And then the focus is going to be it's going to be a one week season from there on. Uh, it's I, I've never heard I've never been on a good team. I've never heard a good coach do anything other than that focus on a one week season. I mean, that's from week one on to week 12. It's always a one-week season. So next week's going to be all about Virginia Tech. This week is to really really put it in perspective and kind of take inventory of where we are and what this season really could be from here on out. Definitely congratulate the team for some of the great things they've done. Hold them accountable for some of the things that they can get better at and talk about where, where this season could go. And then it's right back to business as usual and focusing on Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, Mike, how hungry do you think the players will be to build upon this win at Georgia Tech, knowing that they are facing a Virginia Tech program that has kind of been a big thorn in UNC's side over these last few seasons?
2: Well, Virginia Tech is a rivalry game, and it has been for a long time. Um, that's, it's a rivalry game in its purest sense, right? You know, rivalries are typically determined by swapping wins, um, and streaks of success versus, uh, you know, for one team versus streaks of success for the other team against that common opponent. So that's, Virginia Tech has been a rival, a rivalry for a number of years now, and that was building up for really ever since Tech joined the ACC. Um, it was, it's, and it's sort of a natural rivalry between, you have know, got North Carolina and Virginia there, right, that border rivalry, that natural ACC kind of geographic matchup. So um, it, it matters to these guys because they all – you know, we recruit Virginia very, very hard. Um, every A lot of these guys grew up with – Dudes that ended up at, at, at Virginia Tech, guys at Tech ended up, you know, grew up with guys that came to Carolina. And some of the North Carolina, you know, the North Carolina natives ended up in Chapel Hill had friends that went on to Virginia Tech. And the guys from Virginia, um, you know, had guys come down to North Carolina. So there's a, there a natural rivalry there between the players just because of familiarity. Um, and EJ can speak to that, too. Uh, but, you know, we both, knew, we both knew guys or even played with guys in high school that went to Virginia Tech. And, and that added to the rivalry, too, that familiarity. Um you know the guys that you already knew from years back um so so there's that that's that's enough motivation right there, but Virginia Tech is also down, and this is an opportunity to steal a win you know from a program that has been um you know that's that's traditionally been a very difficult game and it's been an emotionally charged game um for the guys who have played it, so you now this is your opportunity to in in what you know is is a down year for both programs. And I say down just because Carolina is down right now, but on the upswing, this is an opportunity for Carolina who is on the upswing to take advantage of Virginia tech team. That looks like it's a little on the downswing. Um, And, and, and naturally there should be a win here. So, you know, that will also propel them towards, you know, towards a bowl game right now. They're three and three. They need three wins to get to a bowl game. That is not a scenario that I thought was going to play out early in the season. I didn't think that was going to be an opportunity available to them um this year. I also didn't think the season was a failure if they went four and eight. I considered the season a relative success at four and eight, knowing that they have some pretty competitive games in there and would show improvement. If you can actually haul off six wins and get to a bowl game, this gets you one step closer to that. Um it also creates a little wider margin of error moving forward as you finish out the rest of the season. So um you you know you don't have to be near perfect finishing out the year if you win this game. You can you can drop a game or two and still reach your goal of a bowl game. So um, that that all of that should be enough motivation, if nothing else, just getting a win as its own natural motivation and the motivation that is.
1: Let's go ahead and take our very last commercial break. And when we get back, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast by getting your guys' thoughts on who has stood out so far here at the halfway point of the season. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Sigley here with EJ Wilson and Mike Ingersoll. So let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys, by talking about your standout players so far through six games. And, Mike, we're going to start with you. So I want to know who is the one offensive player that you would say has been the MVP of the offense so far, and then who also has been kind of a surprise standout player to you. It can be the same guy if it happens that way, but who would be your pick for MVP and standout?
2: That's a difficult question because we've had had a lot of guys that have, Produce a ton. I mean, right now, I mean, you think of the guys scoring points, right? I mean, Sam Howell is easy, is easy choice. I'm not going to go with Sam Howell. Um, you know, I'm going to go with a Daz Newsome, a guy who had a lot of expectations coming out of high school, um, and he's really he's really shown out and proven to be a, a you know a reliable receiver for Sam. Um, you know, along on those same lines, you, he's he's an easy tie with 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 Deami Brown, right? I mean, they're both extremely reliable guys. They've they've shown that that they can make plays in big situations when they have to. Um, you know, how many fourth down conversions have we seen the ball end up in Daz's hands and him make the play? Um he's had a couple of drops and so has Viami and um uh, but they're both they've both proven to be valuable assets on the offense. I would say that right now um you know they are they're the M V P only you know of for this first half of the season for the offense only in that they are directly contributing to points being scored because they're typically the ones scoring them. But in terms of guys who have stood out I mean, the first person comes to mind is Charlie Heck. He's right there in that first-half MVP discussion. He's out there. He's locking dudes down. He's got a broken hand. He's playing left tackle. He's keeping a freshman quarterback relatively clean, which is exactly what Sam needs. Um, He doesn't have a ton of missed assignments. He's grading out well, um, and he's just generally, from everything I can see, a positive influence on that offense. So, I mean, you've you've got a guy like Charlie Heck out there who's a senior and who's really gritting his teeth and doing what he's got to do to try and win games. That's setting a really great example for the guys that are in that locker room and the guys that are out on that field. And another one that, that that I hope people are paying attention to that that kind of came out of nowhere for me, I thought, you know, he had some attention and some buzz coming out of high school, but I you know, I figured he'd probably fizzle out in college. Um, but it has proven to flourish in his offense is Bo Corrales. Um, this kid came out of, as far as I'm concerned, nowhere. Um, and has really turned into a good player, and I know he was, like I said, I know he was a good athlete coming out of high school. I just didn't, and it wasn't anything against him. I just saw how loaded our receiving core was, and I thought he might get lost in the wash, and he's really starting to set himself apart. He's a big-time red zone threat. He's scored a bunch of points for us. He's made big plays when he's had to. He's been very reliable from a hands perspective. Um, You know, I, I think Bo Corrales is a guy that really deserves a lot of credit and recognition, so so there's my four guys. I got two for the MVP and two for the standout, but I think I think any of them are interchangeable with each other.
1: I like it, man. All right, EJ, so same question to you. Who would be your MVP on the defense, and then who is your surprise standout? My MVP has to be
0: Aaron Crawford. I mean – He's fourth on the defense in tackles, and uh, he's second in sacks. So, I mean, he's visible on the film in the run game. Uh, he's visible in pass rush, and he's also a leader. I mean, when he's out there, there's a presence. In the fourth quarter, he's not bent over. He's not. Uh, he doesn't have his hand on his waist. He's out there. He's ready to play, and he leads by example. And uh, like you say, him him going out there and playing and, and kind of toughing through all the injuries he's been toughing through, is, I think it's really – kind of giving a boost to the, to this group of guys on defense. Uh, so I think he's a really important player to this uh, defense. I, I think that he's really surprised me. He was one of the guys who I had my eye on to have a big year this year, but he still really surprised me by some of the things that he's been able to do uh, more more so in the pass rush game. I think that's one part of his game that's really improved since last season. And um, my standout is kind of another, another obvious guy, but you have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, Chas rat is leading this team in tackles. He's, he's tied with Aaron Crawford, for sacks on the team. And I mean, this guy's just kind of really taking ownership uh, thus far of that linebacker position and, and leadership on that defense. And he's being exactly what you would want. He's being the quarterback of that defense. He's taken what he knows, uh, as we kind of spoke about earlier, his ability to uh, analyze the offensive abilities and know what's going on really before the balls even snap or before the offense gets in their final formation. He's able to transition that and he's really adjusted to the physicality of the game. I mean, of course, we all saw against Wake Forest where he kind of got ran over by a quarterback but um into the end zone, but I think he's kind of taken that personally, and we've seen a different fire uh, in him since that game. So um, he's really stood out to me, Um, and those guys uh, have really been leading this uh, defense thus far this year. All
1: right, guys, excellent stuff. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with one final just quick thought. As we sit here today, EJ, how do you think the rest of the season – looks to be unfolding for UNC right now we have a couple of tough games left
0: I mean of course we have the two rivalry games uh, with Duke and in the school and Raleigh uh, we have a, a another easy game on the schedule and then we have UVA who's really having a really good uh, year this year and of course we've talked about uh, the Virginia Tech game so I really can see us uh, finishing this season in a, in a bowl game and honestly if we can put it all together and play the type of uh, football that we played against Clemson and what we played against, how we played defensively for two quarters and offensively for a quarter um, against Georgia Tech, I really think that we could uh, surprise some people and really have a legitimate chance uh, with some help for some other teams to end up playing for uh, ACC championship uh, at the end of the year. And Now, I know I'm the, the most optimistic one out of this group when I'm talking about this, but, I mean, we're six games in, and it, when you're having this conversation as far as the standings in the ACC right now momentum, uh, we have to be a part of that conversation. Of course, I'm not saying that we're favorites, but right now we are a part of the conversation. Uh, so I, I just want to see them finish strong. And uh, like Mike mentioned, I mean, four wins really would have been a, a successful season for this this team. But I really think they have a legitimate chance to make
1: it to a bowl game or better. All right, Mike, and we'll end it with you. What are your thoughts on the season as we stand here with the heels being three and three at their bye week? I mean, they
2: easily could be zero and six, and they just and at the- by that same token, they could be six and zero, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, the, their margin of victory um, for every game other than Georgia Tech was so small, but their margin of loss was was even you know was comparably as as tight. So, um, I, all things considered, I'd say they've exceeded expectations. They've, they've certainly exceeded mine. Um, you know, you, you obviously wish they would have pulled out that Clemson win. You, you really wish they would have. You know, maybe even more so than the Clemson win. You know, you wish they would have pulled out that Wake. And Appalachian State, you know, is wake in Appalachian State Games, um, you know, and, and be sitting right here with, with one loss instead of three. But um yeah, overall I'm I'm pretty excited about the prospect of the second half of the season. Um, you know, they have my attention, um, and I think they have the fan base's attention. There's a buzz around the program that hasn't uh, I don't think has, has been diminished at all by the product you've seen on the field so far. Um I think I think everybody came in the season hoping for, you know, four or five wins and, and there's real I think there's real excitement, you know, despite a couple of tough losses, I think there's real excitement around the prospect of a potential bowl game this year. In a year when no one really uh no one really expected that to be a possibility. So, you know, overall it's it's the first half of the season even though it's a even though it's a 500 record, I'd say is is a success um in 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 every sense of the word and by all metrics for this team um and it really makes me excited about not just the second half of the season, but really moving forward. It seems like we have a really good staff. Um and we've got a you know, we we've got a roster of guys that are finally getting some player development that maybe was lacking before. Um, and you're really seeing the talent that was stowed away on that roster. And you know, Larry Fedora deserves credit for that, if nothing else. Mac did a really good job of recruiting some good fresh you know, some good true freshmen that have really contributed and can play, most notably our quarterback, right? Um but that roster had uh, many of these same players who you're seeing making plays now were on the team last year. So it's nice to see them develop. And have success and see that development pay off. So, I'm excited. I think everybody else should be excited. And I don't think that 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 preseason buzz is diminished by
1: by even one iota. It's definitely been a season that that has had some ups and downs. But like you said, I think overall the fan base is still very, very high on UNC, the staff that Mac Brown has built, and this team in general. Guys, we'll go ahead and wrap it up with that. We will be back next week, though, to get thoughts about Virginia Tech. So hope that you guys have a good rest of the week, and thanks a lot for speaking with me. You got it, man. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.